Seamus, The Case of the Thieves and Brigands, Part 14, Do You Know What's in Your Pocket?, is based on the book The Great Taxi Cab Robbery by James H. Collins. As I drove to Cassis's place, the Rubens beside me smelled like heaven in a bag. I was about to get rid of this case. Wings was itching to get back to his old digs. I admit I was looking forward to getting our house back. Wings had threatened to continue to wear his hospital gown. I let him use some of my old clothes from my academy days. He complained they were too big, but he gave in. I don't know. I think the hospital gown adds to my homelessness nicely. I may even leave on the jewelry. But you're right. Got to be careful to walk that fine line between pitiful and crazy. I was almost at Cassis's office when my phone alerted me that I had a text. Hey Siri, read the text. We picked up your buddy and intend to blow the roof off. Come and join us and bring the items for the party we need. You know where the party starts. I spun the car around and headed back home. Mrs. Matheson was peering out her window. She moved back when I looked at her. Sure sign something was up. The door was open, the place was tossed, wings was gone. I sat the end table back up and put the lamp on it. There were a bunch of men here. They were shouting. They took that old man with them. He didn't look like he wanted to go. Mrs. Matheson was standing in the doorway. She didn't make any move to come in as her sharp, disapproving glare swept around the room. Thank you, Mrs. Matheson. How long ago were they here? Oh, about half an hour ago. They must have come right after I left Mike's. I bet they were hoping to catch me here as well. Good thing I had the thumb drives with me. I don't know how you could afford this place, but we don't want criminals in this neighborhood. I couldn't agree more. It's a good thing you're not a criminal. (gasps) You're the one that has odd people coming in at all hours lately. You used to be such a nice, quiet neighbor. Breeding tells. I closed my eyes and saw the room the way Abby had set it up. I wanted to stay that way forever, remembering. Those thugs had come into our home and violated it. The party starts in an hour. You don't want to be a buzzkill, do you? They had taken my friend. I looked at my phone. Great. Just what I need now, a spam call. It had all been connected from the beginning. The clues had all been there. The thieves were at the roofing company. They had clumsily tried to hack into the security company and probably recruited Kevin for that. Too bad for them he wasn't any good at it. When they couldn't get through the security company's firewall, they opted for a more direct approach. Thomas was the key. Thomas might have been the one to tell them about the trips to the bank that Pierce had been making on a regular basis. They put two and two together and decided to take what the courier was transporting. The connection between Thomas and Dover was probably racing. I couldn't figure out how they knew to take the thumb drive. They didn't seem to be that savvy. It could be that they didn't have any idea what the courier was transporting, but decided to take anything he was carrying. Wings was an anomaly that they hadn't counted on. 
Because Cassis had hired me, they didn't know I was connected to the security company. It all made sense. Damn, I knew I shouldn't have taken that case. Dover was after the information contained on the drive I found at Kevin's house. Kevin was probably trying to break the encryption for the gang. He was upset enough to beat his wife when he couldn't find the drive. I hope that Dover has Artie beat him. I had a few minutes to decide what to do. I couldn't think, seeing what they'd done to our house. I moved outside. The sweat beaded up as soon as I opened the door. My hands were still sore, but I could make a fist. Don't know how fast I can move, because my ribs still ache pretty good. Maybe I should call the cops. My mind circled around to how Montalbo's face was going to look when I asked for help from Pensacola's finest. Bennett wouldn't be so bad, but Montalbo would never let it rest. Not a pretty picture. I also pictured Cassis's pudgy body and soft hands. Now, that guy may know what he's doing with computers, but he would be worthless in a fight. Nope. No help there. I had two thumb drives that were exactly alike. I knew that someone was going to be taking a look at the drive before they'd let wings go. I knew enough that if I made a copy, someone who knew what they were doing could tell it was a copy. I was just going to have to figure out how to get wings out of there with the dummy drive. I walked back into the house. I took a few minutes to write a note and headed for Mike's. I took off my sunglasses and waited until my eyes adjusted to the bar's lighting. I liked it here. Mike kept the place spotless and his drinks weren't watered down. Look what the cat dragged in. You should come in here more often, at least until your bruises heal. Gives the place character. I'll pay you in scotch to just show up and look like a hard ass. (laughs) For the scotch, I just might. Mike leaned in and took a good look at me. (sighs) Don't tell me you're just in for coffee again. I hear tell there's a coffee shop down the street that makes pretty good coffee. You're killing me, coming in here and asking for coffee. No, buddy, I'm just here to drop this off. If you haven't noticed, this is a bar, not a bank. You keep dropping things off. You're supposed to be buying booze. I laid the lumpy envelope with the note and the real thumb drive on the bar. It had M. Regan written across it. What's this? Mike's eyes grew round. His eyes locked on mine. Hunter, what are you into? What is this? I stood up and walked away. Mike moved around the bar and caught me before I could get to the door. Hunter, what are you into? In case something happens to me, the note explains everything. (sighs) Headed to my storage building to get my backup weapons. I grabbed another gun, my vest, an ankle holster, and some ammo. It didn't matter much. Odds were that both Wings and I were probably going to end up dead. Dover figured he had me backed into a corner over Wings. I figured that his guys, other than Crowley, hadn't killed anyone yet. They were wannabe thugs. Crowley was another matter. What he did wasn't personal. Me? <laughs> I had some experience. 
I had something that would take care of Crowley. I pulled out the dart gun and some tranks. This should get Crowley out of the way. On the way out, I swung by Joey's. I could see Doris through the window. She held a tray with dishes on it. She was talking with one of the customers. While I watched, Doris set the tray down and placed her hands on her hips. Not a good sign. I didn't go in, mostly because I could see from here Doris wasn't happy. And an unhappy Doris was more than I could face right now. If I survived the next few hours, then I would weather the storm of Doris's wrath. I watched until Doris went into the kitchen. I was satisfied. I could deal with Dover now. I headed a few blocks away to the storage lockers. Now They wanted me to go to the roofing company first. I figured that when I got to the roofing company, I would be beaten. They figured that the storage building wasn't on my radar. <laughs> Amateurs. My guess was that when they got me turned to mush, the boss would show up. My guess is he was waiting. My guess is they had set up shop in the storage buildings. That is where the boss would wait until it was safe. I just needed to find the locker, one that had power running to it. Wings would be in that one. I parked down the block and headed for the storage facility. When I was near the gate for the facility, my phone rang again. I need to turn this thing off. I've become a popular guy at a really bad time. Hey, hello. Mike just called me. Where are you at? Are you doing something stupid? Doris, I, I can't talk now. I'm kind of in the middle of a thing. Mike has some more info. If you need it later. I thought I'd lost the call because the line went so quiet. I better see you tonight, Hunter James. We have to have a grown-up discussion, and you ain't getting out of it on no lame excuses. I got a dial tone. It's nice to be loved. Thank you for listening to Seamus. If you liked this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. Seamus, The Case of the Thieves and Brigands, Part 14, Do You Know What's in Your Pocket?, is based on the book The Great Taxi Cab Robbery by James H. Collins. Hunter James was played by Sheldon Bird. Wings was played by Michael Rowe. Mrs. Matheson was played by Beth Rowe. Mike Regan was played by Nick Yamateo. Doris Poole was played by Jean Phillips. I'm Leslie Woodroff. This episode of Seamus was written by Max Reese and directed by Jean Phillips. Seamus is a New Meadows Media production. All rights reserved. <laughs>